father's lightsaber. What? Lightsabers, precious? Hello, and welcome to What's Lightsabers Precious? The Lord of the Rings and Star Wars Encyclopodcast, where we waste time on fictional wikis. I'm Ryan. And I'm Joanna. Ryan. Hi. Do you have any Star Wars news? Wow, just jumping right into it. Usually, you know, like, hi, how are you? I'm great, thanks. I don't care how you are. I care about Star Wars news. Also, I saw you looking it up, like, just now, so. Okay, yeah. Way to have a peek behind the curtain here. Um, (laughs) Just... I mean, the big news in Star Wars right now, I guess, is that the Star Wars Rebels cartoon had its final finale this past week. Is that the one you were watching for a while? They had, like, Jabba the Hutt's baby? That's Clone Wars. Oh, okay. And the Rebels is the sequel series that takes place before Episode 4. Does it have Jabba the Hutt's baby in it? I don't, I don't, not that I've seen. There's no rod of the hut. But it's over now. But apparently it, like, leads right into the beginning of Rogue One. Cool. Uh, and... People are asking, what's coming next? What's coming next? What's coming next? And apparently, Disney has recently trademarked the phrase Star Wars Resistance Mm. in their TV department. So are they then going to be making a series that takes place around the time of Rogue One? Well, Resistance is what they call themselves in the new films, the new trilogy. Oh, that's true. Seven, eight, and nine. So my guess is Disney's trying to move more into their space play in their space a little bit and the things that they have created and make a show around that. I don't know. That's cool. That's the rumor. Have you heard good things about the Rebels cartoon? I've watched watched Rebels, yeah. It's good. I thought you said that you... Oh, you haven't watched the finale. No, no, no. I haven't watched the most recent season. It's got some cool stuff. Because I know that it's primarily aimed at children, but it seems like there's a lot of adults who watch it. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually all official canon Star Wars stuff. So, you know, in this world of canon and legends, uh, it actually fits into the canon side of things. And so everything you see in the Clone Wars cartoon and in Rebels is a canon thing. Is it enjoyable to watch as an adult? Because I feel like there are some... Obviously, I'm an adult and I watch a lot of animation, but I feel like there are some shows that have something to offer an older audience and some shows that really don't well yeah i mean any kids show there's gonna they're gonna pull their punches a little bit uh i know like with these like clone wars i watched all of that like so many people die really a lot of dead clones in that show yeah and like they have a lot of stuff dealing with like what it means to be a jedi and like you know should should we have all these stupid beliefs and everything and like there's a whole thing with ahsoka like the padawan she gets blamed for a murder and decides like you know what this whole Jedi thing, I don't want to do it anymore. And she leaves the Jedi Order. She becomes like a gray Jedi. She's like her own masterless samurai. Interesting. So there's stuff like that. But there's also episodes that are like all focused on Jar Jar Binks. And so you have to kind of like skip those. When are you they watch. trying to rehabilitate Jar Jar? Because no, that's an no, uphill no, battle. No, no, no. They are comedy episodes where he just bumbling ways, Senator Binks. Um, but yeah, I would assume Rebels is pretty cool. It deals a lot with the, the Sith Inquisitors who are hunting down the Force users in the Age of the Empire, which is pretty fun. Ooh. It's pretty sick. Sounds very frightening. Yeah. Well, so. let me know if Jabba the Hutt's baby shows up in it because that's- Why like, do you care about Rada? Because he's so cute. You think so? Yeah. You like him in little Ahsoka's little backpack? Yeah, or? he rides around on Ahsoka's back. That's really cute. That's indisputably cute. I know, you're a Hutt fan. So. I'm a Hutt fan, especially if it's a baby Hutt. And that's the key selling point for me, so let me know if he shows up. All right, well, that's all I got. 
What's new in Lord of the Rings world? Well, let me tell you. I found a blog post recently titled Lord of the Rings TV series, Everything We Know So Far. Ooh. Was the whole article not much? Yeah, essentially. So (laughs) what do we know? The answer is still not a lot. We do know that the contract Amazon signed with the Tolkien estate is worth $250 million. That's a chunk of change. That's a chunk of change. What's interesting is that New Line Cinemas, the studio responsible for Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, is also involved. So essentially New Line and the Tolkien estate are involved in the same project. And the reason that's an interesting turn of events is that the estate definitely sued New Line's parent company Warner Brothers only five years ago. Oh, yikes. Over merchandising for The Hobbit. So they seem to have had some sort of change of heart, which might be due to Christopher Tolkien stepping down, but we can really only speculate. Huh, okay. We also know that Amazon has given a multi-series commitment, so there will definitely be more than one season. That's good. I mean, like, they they see how stuff like Game of Thrones functions, where there's, like, season after season. Well, that's my concern. My concern is that they're basically just trying to make Game of Thrones... Well, why not? It makes money. Sure. Tango De Niro, baby. Sure, sure. But a lot of Game of Thrones um, appeal to people is sometimes the sex and violence factor. Which is full on in Tolkien's work. Oh, is... yeah. Tolkien's work is super sexual. Yes. You can't go two seconds without somebody beating the rat serious. <laughs> no one's going to understand that reference. <laughs> Just look it up. Just look it up. Macaulaywood. Macaulaywood. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, I'm worried that there's going to be gratuitous violence in it, and then any sex at all really would be super weird. I mean, Joanne, I hate to burst your bubble, but people probably did have to have sex to make more elves and hobbits Well, sure, we know Sam had sex at least like 13 times. I don't imagine that, though. Yeah, it's weird, man. Uh, Tolkien's world is sort of sexless, probably because he was a devout Catholic. And we can always infer that people must have done the do at some point, but it's never Dated or described or discussed. Well, this ain't your daddy's Lord of the Rings. This is a new hot Amazon series. Not for young eyes. It's got all the edge and tits that you want. Like if they have a, uh, like a, like a scene with Morgoth having sex with prostitutes and then killing them with a crossbow, I'm out. Yeah. I'm officially out. Yeah. Be a bit much. I do kind of want to see that though. <laughs> Yeah, as I said it, I was like, well, maybe that wouldn't be so bad. Yeah. But moving on, we also know that several of the actors from the original Lord of the Rings trilogy have weighed in on Amazon's project. As in, like, to be in it? Well, Ian McKellen is keen to play Gandalf again, although he says he hasn't been asked. Ooh. Andy Serkis, a.k.a. Gollum, says it sounds incredible, but he doesn't expect to be involved. Sean Astin seems interested in the project as a whole, but says the thought of reprising his role as Samwise hadn't really even occurred to him. If they did a story about, you know, after Lord of the Rings, there wouldn't be a lot of story to tell, would there? Especially in regards to Sam, because he lives peacefully in Bag End and is the mayor of Hobbiton until he turns 102 years old, and then he crosses the sea to Valinor to be with Frodo. Right. There's not a ton of action involved. Right. It would just be, like, peaceful Hobbit times. Like him raising his kids and 
having an incredible amount of sex with his wife. That's the show. That's the show. And then the one person who's pretty definitively negative about the whole thing is John Reese davies who plays Gimli. Because he doesn't want to do the makeup again. Well, no. Reese davies has said, and I quote, It's not about doing it better. It's about making more money. That's all. If they think they can make money, then they will. He sounds like he thinks it's going to be just a show version of Lord of the Rings, the books. That's entirely possible, and I don't think that's what it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be either. Right. So sadly, we still don't know anything about the plot or the release date, but given how long it takes to make these epic fantasy shows, I would be pretty surprised if it came out any earlier than the end of next year. But I will keep you abreast if anything else comes out. Another bit of Tolkien-related news, which is total fluff, but it's nice fluff, so whatever... I found a blog post about this guy in England who decided to commemorate the one-year anniversary of his father's death by marathoning the Lord of the Rings trilogy and eating every single food that's shown on screen. Oh my god. I wanted to show you item five on his list of things he needed to cook. Probably sausages? Question mark, question mark, question mark. I mean, that's a lot of like, I feel like it's gonna be a lot of travel food, a lot of hearty sort of like... You're going to have, like, cholesterol after It's this a adventure. lot of meat. A lot of meat and a lot of stuff, like, fried up in the campfire. I'm wondering about what's an orc power drink. I think that's just the part where Mary is feigning death okay. to get a drink of water from the orcs. Do you remember that part? Mm-hmm. Like, when he and Pippin are being carried on the uruk backs. Yeah. And so I guess it's just, like, a, a, like orc a gulp of water out of, like, a drinking skin. <laughs> It's not like Orc Gatorade or something? No, I don't. I hope not. That'd be disgusting. Look at item 10. Yeah, looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. Yeah. So So he's going to eat a hobbit at that part. Yeah, well, the guy just literally ate a plate of meat. Oh, wow. Uh, Actually, it sounds like it was just a meat-heavy day overall, so I hope that guy's okay. He also did it with his pregnant wife, so I hope she's okay. And their unborn child. Their unborn child. It's going to be an orc. It is. Well, I respect him. I respect his his moxie and his vigor. I mean, everybody grieves differently, and I guess this is how he thought his father would have wanted he's, it. He's grieving through food. Yeah. With his stomach. Which is an excellent way to grieve, yeah, I agree. in my opinion. Okay, so that's all the Lord of the Rings news I have, and wait a second. Jeez, Ryan, I'm really sweating. Gross. Yeah, it feels like the humidity's rising. Ryan, look at this. The barometer's getting low. I didn't know we had a barometer. Yeah, we always we always record with the barometer at our side. I mean, side. it's true, it's we true. We didn't know what the air pressure is, is at all times. The, yeah, the barometer is getting low. Hold on, let me check the Weather Channel website real quick. Check your sources. Look, Ryan, according to their sources, the street's the place to go? In this weather? It's raining there. That's right, it's an episode about men. Please, don't go outside. The men will land on you and crush you on the sidewalk. That was always my thought. Like, someone's gonna die. Like, the I, street is not the place to go in that situation. imagine it raining men? It'd just be like a chaos. It'd be like the apocalypse. It'd be just like these crushed, naked men hitting the pavement at like, terminal velocity. Right? The landscape yeah. is just this carpet of broken and shattered bodies. These beautiful, oiled, muscular men just crushed to death as they hit the ground. Like, yeah, each and every woman can find the perfect guy, but he's going to be a perfect corpse at yeah, that point. Yeah, I guess if you're desperate enough. I mean, whew. God bless Mother Nature. God bless Mother Nature. <laughs> so, it's an episode about men and women, too. Um, it's about humans generally. It's just that there's this lovely sexist thing our language does where it uses the word men to refer to the entire species. Oh, okay. So today, we're going to talk about the second-born children of Iluvatar. The men little, of- little brothers, little sisters. Exactly. The men of Middle-earth are sometimes called the second people, the big folk, the children of the sun, and the afterborn, which bears kind of an unfortunate resemblance to the word afterbirth, in my opinion. But Tolkien it- didn't consult me on that one, so... Isn't everyone afterborn? 
everybody who's walking around today is, yeah, it's after their birth, so I guess it's afterborn. Yeah, yeah. You're the afterbirth. You slithered out of your mother's <laughs> filth. Yikes. That's what Iluvatar said to them. Oh, gross. So just like elves, men awoke in the far east of Middle-earth. However, men weren't born as a species until year one of the first age, which you might remember was the same year the Noldor returned to Middle-earth and the sun rose for the first time. Okay. The place where men awoke was called Hildorian, and it was literally as far east as you can go in Middle-earth without falling into the East Sea. Now, none of the events in Tolkien's subsequent stories, and certainly none of the events in The Lord of the Rings, take place anywhere near that far east so as a result we don't really know what happened to hildorian in later years so maybe it's still extant and men are living there maybe it was lost just like kuivianen after the elves left for valinor uh we have no idea but what we do know was that it was dark as hell no so this sounds really counterintuitive since hildorian was far to the east and the sun rises in the east right does it though in middle earth well that's what some people think if they're idiots Actually, at the time, the sun rose in the west as well. Okay, backwards. Because Valinor was in the west. But we know by the second age it was rising in the east because the Valar changed it. And I checked multiple sources, but I couldn't determine exactly why the Valar did this. Um, Maybe they were taking pity on men because men, having never known a world without the sun, were really scaled of the dark. I would be. In fact, one of the nicknames given to the men by the elves was the Night Fearers. Little babies. Which is basically like the little wisp idiot babies. Little bedwetters. Little pants peers. Yeah. So on top of being afraid of the dark, <laughs> men were very, very, very easily swayed by Morgoth. It's said that Morgoth visited the men shortly after they were born, and instead of kidnapping and torturing them like he did with the elves, he showed them a bunch of neat magic tricks, and they were so excited that a bunch of them joined Morgoth willingly. Sweet tricks, bro! Right? Morgoth was like, guessing which card they picked out of a deck, like, sawing a lady in half. And now there's a dove in my sleeve. <laughs> These two rings were together, and now I've pulled them apart. Amazing, right? How'd you do that? Do it again! Do it again! And we're like, that's awesome. I totally want to live a life of evil now. And as Galadriel says in her voiceover at the beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring, the hearts of men are easily corrupted. Men are super dumb. So right about now, you must be thinking, like, geez, men suck. Yeah, they've got nothing going for them. They actually do have stuff going for them, however. Firstly, they have the gift of men. Guess what the gift of men is? <sighs> the gift of men. A thing that only men can do. What's their gift? They got chutzpah. <laughs> they die. Oh, yikes. <laughs> the gift of men is that they are able to die. So you're probably thinking either, wow, the gift of men is a really ironic euphemism, or yeah. it's a super gothic line of thinking, right? Death as the ultimate gift. Uh, yes, only, only releases in death. But think about it, right? So the fact that men had a limited amount of time on this earth meant that they were super motivated. So yeah, like I said, chutzpah. Right. So they could always be counted upon to jump in with both the and throw their hearts and souls into things. Whereas with elves, it was sort of like, should I take that garbage out? Oh, I have the rest of eternity. Who cares? Oh, wait a hundred years. It's fine. It's fine. Whatever. It's sort of like that part in What We Do in the Shadows where they haven't washed the bloody dishes for 500 years. Yeah. Because like an eternity, it's an eternity, right? So 500 years is nothing to them. It's a blink. Right? So yeah, elves never wash the dishes is what I'm saying. One other thing I would like to point out is that the single most corruption resistant race in all of Middle Earth is... Not men. Hobbits. Holberts. Hobbits. 
Hobbits, it's like one of their defining characteristics. It's almost impossible to seduce a hobbit into doing something they don't want to do. Is that why they were great ring bearers? Exactly. Okay. That's exactly why. And hobbits are an offshoot of... Men. That's right. Men. Okay. So well, clearly wait men... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. So if men are like... They'll believe anything. They, they're impressed by sick tricks, flips, stunts... And Hobbit's like, like, wow, check out Mora grinding that, that half pipe. Whoa, dude, I want to join his dude, army. Dude, he just did like a, like a 360 ollie nosedive fakey. All those words are things he actually did just now. Wow. And Hobbits are like, nah. So how is that possible? How are like, one is like the worst at it, one is the best at it? I think it has to do a lot with the Hobbit culture. Yeah. Their culture is very much down-to-earth, simple, pastoral lifestyle. They believe in good, sturdy things, nothing fancy or outlandish. And so I think things like tricks and treasure, power, it just doesn't impress them because those aren't values in their culture. So, yeah, Morgoth does like an indie nosebone, 1080, McChrist air, uh backflip, whatever. And then... Hobbits are like, what's like, all this nonsense? That's too high up. I can't do all that. Like... My goodness. My goodness. That's, you should stay on the ground. It's most unnatural. Most unnatural. Right. Exactly. Okay. Got it. So men must have some modicum of integrity in them if hobbits came from the same line as men. While we're on the subject, though, of offshoots in the ancestry of men, I do have to point out something rather unfortunate about the Manish family tree. So. Manish. Do you remember how the only brown people we see in the Lord of the Rings are the Haradrim and the Easterlings? Yeah. Okay, so I want you to take a look at their line of ancestry on this chart. Is this going to be problematic? Slightly. So let's see. We got the aftercomers. We have, who are they, descended from wild men? Yes. Yes. So they descended from a branch of men called the wild men. The wild men. Which, regardless of Tolkien's intentions, does make it sound like the Harajim and the Easterlings are supposed to be less civilized somehow. No, they just watch a lot of Wild Boys on MTV. <laughs> wild Boys? I used to love that stupid show in high school. Well, again, they love stunts, and so they're watching Wild Boys, and they're like, yeah, we're wild men. We've grown up. We're totally going to do that thing where he has, like, an anteater eat fire ants off his naked dude, chest. Dude! <laughs> My nipples, dude! Trying to touch a yak's dingleberries and getting kicked in the wild face. Wild boys! Wild men! <laughs> so, that's what Horror Dream and Easterling did. I mean, so. so, I just felt like I would be remiss, though, if I didn't shine a spotlight on that at some point. Yeah, that's not, that's not nice. It is a little unfortunate. But anyway, back to our story. As I said, the sun rose in the west and men were afraid of the dark, so they decided to head west. And after 300 years of wandering about... They reached Beleriand, where the elves encounter them for the first time. Okay. And at that time, there were three main houses of men, also called the three houses of the Edine. Edine being the elvish name for men. It okay. literally means secondborn. Ah, all right. These are the houses of Beor, Haleth, and Hador. So let me break those houses down for you right here at the top. So first, the house of Beor. This was the first of the houses to cross over the Blue Mountains into Beleriand. And this is when Bayor himself bumped into an elf called Finrod. Finrod was one of Feanor's nephews and Galadriel's brother. Finrod. Finrod. Not as good a name as Galadriel. Or Fingolfin or Finorfin. But Finrod? Finrod. They were all Finn something Sounds like an other. insult. Kind You're of. flipping Finrod. You're Get Finrod. over here. What a maroon. What a Finrod. What a Finrod. Anyway, regardless of how his name sounded, Bayor swore allegiance to Finrod and became his vassal. 
And many of Beor's descendants also served Finrod, and in return they were granted some property in the north of Middle-earth. And it was called Dorthonion. However, don't worry about remembering that name. I already forgot it. Okay, I'll make sure to refresh your memory if it comes up again. Okay. The most illustrious of all Beor's descendants was Baron of Baron and Luthien fame. Oh, okay. Who, of course, managed to steal one of the Silmarils from Morgoth's crown. Right. So Aragorn would also be descended from the house of Beor. Gotcha. With me so far? Is he related to Beorn? No. Bayorn is an entirely different... I I don't even know where you would classify Bayorn on this family tree. That would be something that we should do an episode on some Is he point. a wild man? He might be descended from the wild men. Wild man. He might be. Wild man. Wild card. Next is the house of Halith. This house is interesting for a couple reasons. So first, they spoke their own distinct language that was completely unintelligible to other men. Second, they were named after a woman. Oh, how about that? Haleth, daughter of their leader, Haldod. So you see, after they crossed the Blue Mountains and settled down in a place called Dor Karanthir, and again, don't worry about that name. Forgot it. Haldod was killed by a band of orcs. Oh, no. So it was Haldod's daughter, Haleth, who led her people further into the west, where they eventually found a new home in the woods. And he, guys, women, they speak another language, right? Like... That's why they're unintelligible, because they're speaking chick. I don't know what they're even talking about. They say one thing, and it's like they mean a totally different thing. Like, when they say, hey, I want you to help out more around the house, who does that mean? What does that mean? What does that even mean? When they say, like, hey, I don't like it when you touch me there, what what is that? What are they saying? Like, hey, I want a divorce. Like, come on, what are you on about? Like, babe, English? Hello? Jeez. Women be shopping. Women be shopping. Finally, we have the house of Hador. And this house was the third and last to cross the Blue Mountains under the leadership of a guy called Marak. They allied themselves with Feanor's brother, Fingolfin, which made them some incredibly hot s. with Marak's great-great-grandson Hador being named Lord of Dorloman by the High King of the Noldor. So Hador's descendants include most of the major players in the war against Morgoth, okay, including Huar and Hurin, Right? Remember those guys Turgon foolishly allowed to stay in Gondolin? Yes. As well as Tuor, Idril's husband, and Turin, the guy with the most tragic life in all of Tolkien, who fought the dragon Glaurung. Yeah, I remember Turin. Turin and his shroud, right? Yes. <laughs> also, Arendil was descended from the House of Hador. So the House of Hador was like the place to be in the First Age. Kind of a big deal. They were kind of a huge deal. And I reckon that's a good place to end part one of our journey into the Dawn of Man. Interesting. Yeah, any questions? I guess I would ask, does does Tolkien ever describe what a man looks like? I think he describes them in relation to elves, less fair, mm-hmm. less wise, no pointy ears. But apart from being just generally uglier and smaller than elves, he's not too specific. Why, do you ask? You know what a man looks like, right? Oh, well, I do, but... Do you know what a human looks like? I'm sort of familiar with it, yeah. Because, just for fun, and this is not my topic this week, but Wikipedia has an entire article about humans. Uh, oh, do they describe them in needless detail? Do they ever? Do they talk about how built their calf me, muscles were? To, and... Let's see if you can picture this, this strange alien creature. Okay, lay it on me. Okay, the humans are a sentient species that belong to the simians, a subgroup of primates, an order of animals. <laughs> Thank you. They're taxonomically referred to as Homo sapiens. Oh, are they? They are. Oh my god. They arguably originated on Coruscant, but we found in many planets, making them one of the most prominent races in the galaxy. They came in two sexes, male and female, and gave birth to live young. Did you know? 
Live young? Live young. Oh my god, I assumed all of our young were born dead and had to be resuscitated. They're bipedal beings with a bilateral symmetry, having a front and a back end, as well as an upside and a downside. <laughs> I mean, doesn't everything have an upside and a downside? I don't know what they're talking about. What's the upside of a human? Unless it's like, I don't know, two-dimensional or something. Everything would have an upside or a downside. Okay, now picture this. Picture this. Their body were comprised of a torso with a head and four limbs attached to it. The upper limbs are arms ended in hands, which had five fingers each. Oh my god! They are so obsessed with specifying that things have hands! The lower ones, called legs, ended in feet. The human fingers had multiple points of articulation, and one of them was an opposable thumb that allowed for fine manipulation. Finally, they had one head perched atop their torso. <laughs> you gotta specify, because in Star Wars, some things have multiple heads. Can you imagine, though, if, like... They didn't specify, and people just assumed they were just, like, a torso with some limbs, and, oh, must not have been a head. Yeah. Must, have been, must be no head. Now, compared to the Wookiees of Kashyyyk, humans had little hair on their bodies. Most of it was concentrated on the scalp, as well as the lower portions of the faces oh, and most males. Oh, it kind of depends on the human, though, because I've been to the beach, and there are some guys there with, like... Wearing, like, a fur coat. Like a... Yeah, essentially. Like, gonna give you a hairball if you were ever, you know, in locked in a passionate embrace. It. Yeah. And don't only carry men at the beaches. You'll get arrested. The lower faces of males were often shaved in various patterns, either for hygiene or self-expression. And strips of concentrated hair, referred to as brows, were also located above the eyes and were used in nonverbal communication. <laughs> Tell me about brows. I don't think that's the only reason we have brows. Nope. I think they're supposed to keep things out of our eyes. It talks about how they're sexually reproductive animals. Uh, and while developing in their mother's room, the child gave her a distinctive baby bump. <laughs> Yeah, as any live young would if they were literally inside a person. Delivery itself normally took place after nine months of pregnancy. It was a painful process that could take as much as ten hours. Oh, no. Uh-uh. Whoever wrote this was not a woman because it could take a lot longer than that. Oh, you think? It took 24 hours for you me. You think it wasn't a, a, a dude? <laughs> what are you saying? That, like, women don't write things about Star Wars? Think about your average Wikipedia user. Mm-hmm. I'm sure women love Star Wars, right? They exist. They're out there. Yes. But are they going to be the ones editing Wikipedia articles about humans? And They might? I don't know. I don't know about that. Are um, you saying that women on average have something better to do? Is that yes, what you're saying? Yes, absolutely. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. The period during which a young human developed from a child into adult was known as adolescence. And according to the Equani therapist, Chloe Merritt, that stage of development was hard to endure without support. Oh. It's tough being a middle school kid. I'm just a kid and life is a nightmare. Yeah, 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 yeah. It talked about also how in, in Star Wars, the human genome is incredibly elastic. And so there's all these, what they call near human species, which kind of develop their own traits because they were, were seeded on other planets. And so there's all these kind of close to humans, but not quite human species. Can interbreed though, can they? Yep, yep. Well, then they're subspecies. They're not actually different species. But they call them near humans. Really? Yeah. Why are humans the standard? Wouldn't you be kind of annoyed to be called a near Because they're the most prevalent species in the galaxy. Also, a lot of that is imperial propaganda because they held a tenet called human high culture. Uh, which uh, says that uh, since humans are responsible for most of the big movers and shakers in galactic history. Well, they only, say. Only they, well, I mean, yes, it's a, it's a very whitewashed history from the Empire here that... Clearly, humans are superior to all other species of aliens. Oh, how delightfully Nazi. Yes, absolutely. So, anyway, humans. Uh, that's not my article for today. I thought that was just very funny, because I was curious. Um, oh, wait, you know what we forgot to do? What's that? Um, because you also did a thing on men? Yeah. It's raining men! Hallelujah, it's raining men! Amen! It's raining, four-limbed, 
uh, upright mammals. With five limbs on each of their hands, with multiple points of articulation, and a thumb for precision movement. A small hair above their above their eyes called a brow. My they, goodness. They give birth in ten hours. My goodness. They're so Without smart. fail. <laughs> Adolescence is hard for them. Humans. The human condition. That's what it is. That's what it all boils down to. Now, Baby bumps. my actual topic today. Hopefully this episode doesn't get too long. I know you've been looking forward to it. Yeah. We've been going through this series. Yeah. And you probably know what I'm talking about. We're going to read the next Jedi Prince book today. Oh, boy. Book four, The Mission from Mount Yoda. Better than book three? No. <laughs> <laughs> Worse than book three? Maybe. I didn't do quite as detailed a breakdown as this one because it was very hard to read. Now, there's, okay, there's a mountain called Yoda. Yeah, it's on Dagobah. They named after him. I feel like Yoda's the only thing that lives on Dagobah, so did he literally just name a mountain after himself? Is no, it like no, 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 if no, I lived no. on an abandoned swamp planet and I found a mountain, I was like, this is Mount Joanna. No, Yoda is not a prideful man, okay? I, I mean, if you can call him a man. Then who would have named it that? The Rebellion called it that. Oh, they called it Mount Yoda. Yeah, they have a base there in this book. And Yoda was just like, oh, shit. No, he was dead after this happened. Oh. This is a memorial to Yoda. Joanna, you're such, you're just, just pooping all over Lo- Yoda's <laughs> legacy here. Let's let him. Let him just have his memorial mountain in peace. All right, fine. I'm sorry. But he's not really dead because he comes back as a force ghost. Well, sure. sure so but- was his force ghost like, oh, heck. Oh, you didn't need to go and do that. Do that? You didn't need to. Hmm. <laughs> that sort of thing, right? Yeah. Shucks off. Um, Shucks off. <laughs> That's what he says. Shucks off. That's what he says. This is the mission for Mount Yoda, book four of the Jedi Prince series. <sighs> so if you remember last time in Zorba the Hutt's Revenge, the yeah. very end of the book, the whole gang, Han and Luke and Ken and Leia and the droids and Chip and Kate and Chewbacca and everybody was going to a beautiful planet for vacation. Yeah. Was this after Han's sky house got totally yeah, wrecked? Yeah. Yeah. So they go to one of the most scenic planets in the galaxy called Zatrop. Zatrop. That, wow. That's Z apostrophe trop. A perfectly mellifluous name for what I'm sure is a tropical paradise. And I'm sure you can probably guess this is going to be very important to the plot of the book. Is it, though? No. (laughs) Is anything in this book important to the plot of the book? What is the plot of the book? I don't know, man. The first chapter begins on Space Station Scardia. Remember, that's in the Null Zone. That's where Supreme Prophet Kadan hangs out. Okay. Little dwarf man who tells the future, but really is not. Oh, is that the guy who, like, picks up the colored balls? And crushes them! Yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. And he's not actually powerful in any way, he just has lots of spies, remember that? We talked yes. about that? Yeah. Yes. <gasps> is Baji in this one? I'm sorry to disappoint you, no, Baji is not. Oh, heck, I'm so sad about that. Yeah, I know, and all I was really looking forward to is the retur- the glorious return of Baji. When will my Baji come back from the war? You'll find out soon. So chapter one's called Dark Prophecies. It's Kadan telling prophecies to all of his boys, his other prophets, including a guy called Jedgar, who's a seven foot tall prophet. It's his boy. You know, his best. His best, boy. His boy. My boy Jedgar. So he's crushing balls of powder. Crushing balls. Jedgar's taking notes in his book called The Secrets <laughs> of the Dark Side. Jedgar, come over. I'm crushing balls. Crushing balls over here. Crushing balls right now. He's taking notes with what they describe as a laser pen. Ooh. Star Wars. So is it literally just like burning holes in the paper in the shape of letters? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're holding it on your hand. It like burns through to your hand. He burned a black ball. <laughs> Dang it. I did these every time. But he's speaking in his verses which the book helpfully describes to children as quatrains because they don't know what quatrain is. You know, four lines that don't rhyme. Yeah, right. So here's the prophecy. He lazy gives. poetry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kadan's a really lazy poet. Here's the prophecy he gives this time. 
Tormented and frozen alive, the three-eyed ruler commands no more. Never again shall he receive the dark blessing of the supreme prophet. Eyes cannot behold the new ruler, for the ruler is the dark one of ancient times. But from this day forth he speaks through me, and I shall speak his commands to you. Ancient relics of Duro shall you bring, place at my feet, and praise me. In this chamber I will then destroy all that is good in the force. When the dragon pack, perched upon Yoda's stony back, receives a visitor pierced by gold, then come the last days of the Rebel Alliance. Whoa! A lot of stuff to break down there. Whoa, Ryan! Can I can I read you another one? Sure. This is this is one that I just made up. Okay. Two steel birds will fall from the sky on the metropolis. The sky will burn at 45 degrees latitude. Fire approaches the great new city. Immediately a huge scattered flame leaps up. Within months, rivers will flow with blood. The undead will roam the earth for a little time. I don't think that was four lines long. It, it is. They're just really, really long lines. Oh, okay. That, that was me predicting 9-11. Wow! Yeah, that was, I wrote that. Joanna, that's so real. I wrote that before 9-11 what happened. What color ball did you crush? Um, I crushed a... Mm, red, white, and blue ball! Yeah, I crushed a red, white, and blue ball, and an eagle's tears came out of it. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's the first chapter. Okay. Uh, chapter two is called The Dragon Pack on Yoda's Back. That was Nostradamus, by the way. I just wanted to throw oh, that out oh, there. Oh, good, good, good. Okay. Good. Anyway, go ahead. You talked about zombies? Yeah, Weird. apparently. Really? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. You could read it as... He talks about a lot of crap. So, starts on Zatrop, you got everyone there, it's like basically Space Hawaii, they're swimming around, splashing, playing volleyball, whatever you do on vacation. And they find an empty Imperial ship with a disc of prophecies from Space Station Scardia. And they say, my goodness, we should take this back to the base on Mount Yoda. So they fly back there. Yeah. I mean, that's all they spend on Zatrop, that's the entire bit on Zatrop. Oh, cool, alright. It is literally so like glad they introduced that a few planet. pages. They go back to the base on Mount Yoda, because they never stay long at all in these planets. And Ken's super bummed out, because he's got to start school soon. <laughs> oh, Ken! Dude, I think you have bigger concerns. He's going to be a new student at Dagobah Tech, and he doesn't want to do it. He's like, uh, I want to go on adventures. Uh. But, but st- at least you'll have classmates. Yeah, friends. At least he'll be locked in a room with, like, his pug thing, and he's like, what was it, like, the homework checking robot? Yeah, uh, it was uh, DJ and his Muka. Yeah. Zebo. So the base is called DRAPAC, D-R-A-P-A-C, Defense Research and Planetary Assistance Center. Okay. So they read those prophecies off. It's on that disc they found. So Mom Mothma, of course, thinks, well, DRAPAC, that's got to be the dragon's pack on Yoda Stony back. Wait. DRAPAC. No, okay. Wow. There's a lot to unpack here. First of all, what the hell? There's a dragon on... So the prophecy said that when the... Dragon pack perched on Yoda's stony back. So is there Receives like- a visitor pierced with gold. Then comes the last days of the Rebel Alliance. So my mom was like, dragon's pack, drop pack. We're on top of Mount Yoda on Yoda's stony back. This is what it means. I think she's reaching. I think so a lot. A little bit. I'm still like confused. So it's like, what is it? A dragon shaped backpack that's on Mount Yoda? It's Drapak. <laughs> the base. Okay, it's Drapak. That's chapter two. All right. Chapter 3 is called The Scheme of the Grand Moffs. So chapter 3 begins with your favorite character, Zorba. Zorba! And he's having a wonderful dream about turning his son's uh, old pleasure palace into a for-profit prison. <laughs> he's sleeping. He's having this dream about how wonderful oh, it is. Oh, what cutting commentary. And so he wakes up and immediately flies back to Tatooine to do it. 
That's all Zorba's in this book. Okay, so he's going to turn a pleasure palace into, okay, what's some other really obviously evil institution? Oh, a for-profit prison, of course. Of course, that'd be great. He's not going to turn it into, like, a library or, like, you It was know, an old folks' an home for a while. No, 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 no. Now it's going to be a, a for-profit <laughs> prison. prison. Cool, man. Yeah, he, cool. Talk, he was dreaming about all the different executions they could do with the Sarlacc pit and stuff. He's a great businessman. So he leaves Cloud City immediately to go do that, and that's all that Zorba's in this book. Sorry. So no Baji, little crumb of Zorba. So there's kind of, you know, there's your balance right there. Well, I'll take Zorba over Baji any day. He's done. So basically, as soon as he leaves, if you remember last book, he froze Trioculus in carbonite. Yes. And put him on display at the Cloud City Museum. So basically, like, as soon as he leaves, a bunch of stormtroopers come and take Trioculus off the wall. Okay! (laughs) So that lasted all of, like, two seconds. Yeah. So they they take the carbonite... He didn't have anybody guarding it? (laughs) Apparently not. So he's just like, I'm just gonna do this great by... I'm sure nobody will touch it. Yep. Honor system, guys. Late. (laughs) Late. So they take it back to Grandma Hissa. Hissa's like, yes, my lord is back. But then, immediately, Kadan and the prophets claim Trioculus. He's just like, what are you doing? Why are you taking my my, my boy? And they're like, because Kadan don't think he's the emperor no more. Oh. We know all the facts about him. We know your little secrets, Hissa. So you give us Triaculus, we're going to blow this whole thing open. He's like, fine, fine, fine. Take him, take him. And so. Well, that's, wow. Shows what, I get, Hissa is really treacherous. Yeah. Much like a snake. Right. Sharp teeth weren't just a look. It's part of his personality. And so they, he swears loyalty to Kadan, and they tell him to go to D- the planet Duro, which you remember was part of the prophecy, yes. the relics of Duro. Uh, and so, yeah, they take they take Trioculus, and their plan is to destroy him. Chapter three, that's done. Chapter four, Ken's being a little punk. As he has, as he has I mean, to Ken's start, always a little punk. Mostly because he has to start at Dagobah Tech today. Shut up! Do you know how many children wish they could get an education, Ken? I know. this In this galaxy, in you this economy... S- Boiled little turd. He has to take an aptitude test, and it says... <laughs> to take the SAT. Yeah. The <laughs> test was so dumb, Ken decided that only a Gnook could have designed it. Only a Gnook could have designed... You know what? I often say the same thing about the SAT. When I was an SAT tutor, I was like, hey, kids, just so you know, this test is so dumb, only a Gnook could have designed Freaking it. Freaking Gnooks, making all these stupid tests. What the hell is a Gnook? I don't know. <laughs> okay, we never even find out. Nope. <laughs> Is this a Star Wars word? Hey, um, Ryan, did you know that Butch was a Rancor dragon? <laughs> did I? <laughs> That's it. Um, so while he's taking his test, uh, a Duro from the planet Duro crash lands on Dagobah. Wait, a Duro from the planet Duro? The Duro species. So that's like if we were like, hey, we're humans from the planet human. Yep, yep. A Duro from the planet Duro. Now, what, you've actually seen a Duro in the Star Wars films. They're in the cantina. They're kind of like the blue guys with the red eyes. They're kind of like, kind of like gray aliens. Okay. Like the noseless face. Oh, like sure, sure, the sure, sure, red sure. eyes. They're a lot taller than gray aliens in, in, in the lore, but that's a that's a Duro, so picture that. Yes, I'm picturing it. He crash lands, he introduces himself as Dustini, and then he passes out immediately. Dustini. 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 Yep. Isn't that a Pokemon? Uh, sounds like one. Dustini, Dustini! Oh, I'm thinking of Dratini. Yeah, you are. Okay, never mind. When he wakes up, he explains that Duro is being used as a toxic waste dump by the Empire. Oh, no! So there's our environmental angle for this book. Houses of prostitution, for-profit prisons, now waste dump sites. So book one, we had polluting the oceans, you know, save the whales. Book two, we had save the rainforest. Book three, we had braise. Now we have toxic waste being dumped on our planet. Did you know that's where my, my parents met? Really? At a toxic waste dump site. On planet Duro? On planet Duro, yeah. Wow, that's that exactly right. No one's Seymour, Indiana. Okay. <laughs> 
So Romantic. they had to leave the planet and live in space stations and left only their best archaeologists behind to protect their precious relics of their golden age. But now the Empire wants those relics as well. God, the Empire just wants everything. Kadan wants that stuff. It's wild. So Destini says he's one of those archaeologists. He came looking for help. And he shows off all these relics he's brought with him, including this golden crown. And he Of thorns? Well, he puts it on his head. And it stabs him with needles and he goes paralyzed. Oh my god, really? What? <laughs> yes! I thought I was just being stupid. So he's this very dramatic moment where he puts the crown in his head like, look, see, and then, he's Crown a, for he's, king! He's paralyzed. <laughs> so some comedy. Of course, everyone's like... Yeah, that is high comedy. It's a golden crown. Paralyzed. And everyone's like, oh, he's been pierced by gold. The prophecy. The prophecy. When one pierced been... by gold comes, it marks the end of the Rebel Alliance. Oh, no! And so now they have to go to Duro to save the relics before Kadan gets them. They have their mission from Mount Yoda. So, like, the book is just titled after the departure point for the mission. Mission from Mount Yoda. That's like if Lord of the Rings was entitled, like, Mission from the Shire. Yeah! Good title. So, chapter five is called Destination Duro. Or Harry Potter was called, like, Mission from Privet (laughs) Drive. Like, that's so stupid. I like it. All right, whatever. It's really good. So it's the worst chapter of any of these books so far. (laughs) Oh, I'm not saying a lot. There's some stiff competition. So Destination Duro starts with Ken accidentally locking himself in the Millennium Falcon cargo bay on his first day of school. Ken, you stupid idiot! And he thinks he doesn't need more education. He says it's an accident, but he locks himself in there. On purpose. So it's like, you know. Because he's an adolescent. Adolescence is very hard. So he goes in the cargo bay and he's like, yippee! Now this is truancy! That's a neat trick. I really hate him. How does Star Wars just invariably make little kids be so hateable? I don't know, man. It's really great at that. He really claims it was an accident, but he really, he was looking for adventure. He's going to be left behind while all the gang goes to uh, Duro. And so he locks himself in the Millennium Falcon's cargo bay. Like a stupid turd. Yeah. So they, so the whole gang flies off in the Millennium Falcon. Unaware, they have a stowaway. Of course, when they get to Duro, Hissa's there too. And he starts a contest on board the Star Destroyer to see if anyone can shoot the Millennium Falcon. A contest? A contest. Because if anybody can shoot him, you get to meet with Kadan himself. Ooh, what a cool prize. And Watch so, him crushing balls. Yeah, sweet. And so the heroes try to fire back, but the cannons are all janked up. And for some reason, they can't go into hyperdrive. Why? Because Ken messed with the power cables in the cargo bay! Then Ken! Ken's still useless! Womp womp! So they get him out, R2 fixes the power, they hyperdrive away. Cool chapter. That's it. That's it? That was pointless! Absolutely pointless. There was absolutely no point to that. But now Ken's with them. Well, that really was the worst chapter. I told you! <laughs> it sucks! Wow! Nothing <laughs> happens! A kid tries to play hooky from school and messes up some power cables until the bad guys can't do what they wanted to do, and that's the end. That's it. Sucks. Yep. Chapter 6 is called Near the Valley of Royalty. So it goes back to Scardia, and Kadan uses his ion cannons to destroy Triaculus's carbonite block. Is Triaculus dead now? They just blew him up. So Triaculus is not, he's no more. Is that Plata That's how Triaculus goes out? Or does he? We'll see. No, he's dead now. Well, nothing's even left. Not even the glove of Darth Vader. You know why? Um, he burrowed his way out of the carbonite and left it behind like a shell. I'm talking about the glove. The glove is indestructible, right? Right. Because it was fake! Because Kadan has it the whole time! Yeah, because it was the fake glove of Darth yeah. Vader! Yeah! Remember he dropped off, the, he, he kind of tossed away the real one. Yes! And now Kadan has it. Kadan! So Kadan is the real villain of this series. He's trying to make his own prophecy come true. Whoever wields the glove of Darth Vader will become the new emperor. Wow. Yeah, heavy stuff. 
then it goes back to the Millennium Falcon, and a big chunk of this chapter is devoted to Han having to deal with Duros mechanics over the repairs on it. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. Kids love ha- that haggling, you know? They do, yeah. There's one thing kids like, is people haggling at the market. <sighs> so they use Justini's data disc, they find the Valley of Royalty on Duro, where all the relics are being kept and the archaeologists are hiding, and not far away, they notice there's the Imperial Reprogramming Institute, which is where Triclops is being held. Oh, <gasps> I thought Triclops was dead. No, he's been keeping kept secret because he's too insane for words. And so the Empire doesn't want him on the radar. So they put him in this... For-profit imp- prison? This Well, it's an Imperial Reprogramming Institute. I'm not sure if they make any money off it. Oh, okay. It's like an insane asylum, basically. Oh, no. So here's a quick little callback to our last episode. Because Han's talking about this anti-radar device he has on the ship. It's a very stupid thing. Um, but he says, without it, we look as big as a star dragon on enemy radar screens. Really? Duongo wins. A duongo wee-wee-wee. Gets mentioned, yeah. As big as a wee-wee-wee. As big as a wee-wee-wee. Now, he says we look as big as one, but he doesn't say whether that's 10 meters, whether that's like 80 bajillion meters. We don't, because it's... Whether big. it's shaped like a dog with a nipple belt. <laughs> I was like, sir, there's a dog with a nipple belt on our radar screens. <laughs> don't go near it! Don't go near it! Once he takes the belt off, we're done for. <laughs> you don't want to see him when his pants are down. Uh, <laughs> when his Han, lips are out. Yeah. Han, Luke, Ken, and 3PO go looking for the archaeologist. Leia and Chewie stay on the ship. That's chapter six. All right. Wow, we only have like one chapter left. Two. Oh, okay. It's the search for the secret cavern because of every one of these books, the bad guy always arrives at the same planet when the heroes arrive, so Hiss is there too. Well, Ryan, that's just like, you know, that's just economy of storytelling. I know. He finds out that Triclops has actually escaped from his insane asylum. Oh, no. Dun, dun, dun. Meanwhile, Han, Luke, and Ken fight some mutated giant beetles very boringly. Zap, chop, whoosh. The sound effects don't make it any more exciting, authors. I'm sorry. It was very... I mean, for all I know, those are just doors opening and yes. closing. Yeah, the details are mutated. <laughs> That's by what I would assume. The toxic sludge that the Empire dumped has made the beetles giant. They fight them as whatever. They have no problem. They shoot them and laser it's them. It's mutated them and turned them into doors. It's, it's really dumb. Whoosh, slash. So they find the tunnel they're looking for, but on the way, some toxic sludge drips through the ceiling and burns their map that they had. Oh, no. So they're feeling around in the dark, and they come across a secret alcove with a guy inside. With a guy? Just they a guy? They found themselves staring into the face of a tall, thin man dressed in a gray uniform of an imperial prisoner. His long white hair stuck out in all directions, and he had scorch marks on his temples, as if he had been burned by a laser or electricity. Electroshock! And this man says, I have seen everything and everyone, whether in front or behind. It's why they call me Triclops, for I have three eyes. Does he have one on, like, the back of his head? Yes, he does. Dude. Lifts up his hair and shows it off. He asks them about this woman called Kenalinda? who was killed by the Empire when they discovered she was a Jedi, but they have no idea what he's talking about. That's going to be important in a later book. I'll try to remember it. Kenalinda? Yeah. And he talks about Trioculus. He talks about how he was a vicious slave master, and he was a slave on Kessel. And he said with every every lash of his whip, he told Triclops that he would take his identity and become <laughs> the true emperor. Really showing your hand there, Trioculus. Really was. He looks at Ken's silver crystal necklace. He's like, what's this? And Ken gets Stranger Danger and backs up. He's like, no, no, no. I don't know. Let's have it. At least Ken has some freaking sense. Anyway, he comes with them, so it's maybe the most eventful chapter yet in this book. I mean, they found the guy. They found Triclops. They found the dude. They're looking for the archaeologists and the relics, but they don't find them yet. But chapter eight starts, and they find the archaeologists. Oh, okay, cool. With with Triclops' help. To Han Solo's embarrassment, one of the Duro aliens even hugged him. Easy does it, said Han. I'm a Corellian. We Corellians gave up hugging strangers four centuries ago. No homo. Yeah, Han's a real jerk in these (laughs) books. Why is he such an (laughs) a-hole? So the gang helps them get all the treasures out on these hover sleds. Han, in the process, gets given an antique Duro wedding ring. He's like, I 
I'm not looking about thinking about marriage or anything. <laughs> but he definitely is looking about marriage to Princess Leia. Then the Empire drills down there with a giant drilling machine and they fight. Cool. Alright. This is about to kill Ken when Triclops turns around and flips up his hair and his magic eye pulls Hissa toward him. Whoa, it's like a gravity eye? <laughs> a little tractor beam Like comes a out force of it? pull. And when he gets to him, he grabs him by the throat and begins to choke him. Nice! He says, you won't let a pacifist live in peace. You're forcing me to abandon my principles. Says Triclops. Wow. Through that hole that the Empire drilled, the toxic waste starts to flood into the chamber. And Triclops drops Hissa into it. And he melts to death. Wow! Pretty brutal for somebody who was a pacifist until like five seconds ago. He goes down like a candle. He's probably one of those things where like, I didn't kill him. The sludge did. Yeah, well, I, I never <laughs> just sleep at night, Triclops. Yeah, so they race away from the sludge in these hover sleds. All the stormtroopers are getting melted. Um, they're picked up by Chewie and they fly back to Mount Yoda. So it's like a mission from and then back, back. to. It's not a very exciting it's there mission. and back again. Yep. Triclops has a little speech to Luke on their flying back. So I want you to know that if the day ever comes that I sit upon the Imperial throne as my father did, I'll force the Empire to pay for what it did to the planet Duro. I'll take the Empire apart, brigade by brigade, one mechanized army at a time, until the dark side is completely powerless. That's a nice dream, Luke said. My dreams shall become real. Try. I mean, I don't know if it's just your delivery, but it kind of sounds like he's becoming everything he would hate. I don't know, maybe. He's like fighting destruct like a destructive force with more destructive force. I mean, I don't think maybe I shouldn't have given like the Clint Eastwood voice. He says he's got like long hair. You really did like I ain't killing no more. It should be more like I think maybe more played by uh, Christopher Lloyd. He's got white hair sticking everywhere. Yeah, that's what I was. My dreams shall become real, Marty. <laughs> I want you to know that if the day ever comes, I sit upon the Imperial throne. One push, one one shuffle. Yeah. Wow. Those were the babies. Those were the babies. That's that's uh that's the mission from Mount Yoda. Oh my God. I'm so sorry, everyone. Wow. I gotta get through these. I'm almost done. There's two left. I feel like not a lot happened in that. No. That's some sound effects. You want to figure out what they are? All right. Let's hear it. Freak. A beetle. A cargo ship. Okay. Zip. A beetle. That's Destiny getting electrocuted by his own crown. Vip? Vip! That's, that's what sound it makes when you get electrocuted. Vip! Whoop! A beetle. A bulkhead door. <laughs> of course it's a door. Squee! A beetle. Secret door to Triclops' hiding spot. No beetle sounds! You've been had. You played yourself. You really made it me think. You really set it up like there were going to be beetle sounds. <laughs> the beetle sound effects for all them getting murdered. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> squish. Yep, that was, uh, you know, whoosh, zap, chop. Those are the beetle sounds. But. Mission from Mount Yoda. Mission from Mount Yoda. Really so, sucks. so far, Joanna, we've had four books in the, in the Jedi Prince series. Yes. The Glove of Darth Vader. Lost City of the Jedi. Sword of the Hutt's Revenge. Bishop from Mount Yoda. What's your ranking so far? Okay, so my ranking would probably be the first one. Okay, is first. Glove of Darth Vader, number one. Yep, number one. The original is always the best. Yeah, I think so. After that, Zorba. Zorba the Hutt's Revenge. Yep, because, you know, like, I... His property rights were completely violated, and I sympathize with that. He, like, braze. <laughs> I did, like, braze. So we got... Also, Han's stupid sky house got yeah, destroyed, I, I, so... Yeah, that was, was good for you. So we got one, we got three. Actually, you know what? I think two is my worst one. Really? Because of Baji? Because of Baji. I like all the rainforest thing. I think that's really fun. Trackless getting burned like from his own hubris. That's true. Okay, so let's say that two is numbered is third. Okay. And then this one Mission is from Mount Yoda. Last. For sure last. Okay. I mean this if kind we, of the... if we if we take Baji out of the equation, then 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 yeah, this one was definitely the worst one. Okay. 
So yeah. Yeah, maybe four and two are kind of tied for you as the worst right now. I wonder what our listeners... Please tell us. It. Email us our rankings of the Jedi Prince series so far. I promise I'm almost done with them. I got two more. Oh, man. This is where the action's going to start ramping up, right? They always do in these books. I mean, like, blood will be spilled. Doors will open and close. I mean, <laughs> this is this is where they let it all hang out. And in the end, everything will change. I probably not. It's gonna be another, another two books about environmental disaster and. I mean, nothing can really change because. Well, I mean, we have some big changes in this one. Triclops may be destroyed, killed. Uh, Hissa melted like a candle. Yeah, that's cool. Zorba starting a for-profit prison. We got a lot, a lot of movers and shakers in this story. Please tell me that comes back. Somehow. Plus, they got Triclops now. They do have Triclops. They have Christopher Lloyd now. They have the son, of, the real son of the emperor, Marty. Marty! I got three eyes, Marty. <laughs> Luke's like, who the hell's Marty? Why do you keep talking about Marty? Have you seen Kendall Linda? Or Great Marty? Scott. Or Marty? <laughs> okay. Hang in there, folks. All right. Well, we're not more than halfway through men. We will see much more of men. How many more parts of men, do you think? Well, there's going to be at least three. Oh, wow. Like okay. there were with elves. Sure. See, I want to do a series more. like you do. I think that's cool having like a thing every week you can follow. But Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I kind of like the way you do it, where you mix it up. Okay, well, I can, fine. This is like a, a gift of the magi sort of thing, right? Like, yeah. Like, oh no, I sold my hair to buy you this this watch chain. I, I sold my watch to buy you this mission from Mount Yoda. <laughs> oh no, isn't life so bittersweet and ironic? Yes. Don't you think? I do. <laughs> it's right. like rain and men on your wedding day. Okay. Anyway. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Yep. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at What's Lightsabers Precious. We post a lot of extras and goodies and um, stupid men at work themed videos. Please go on there. Let us know which Jedi Prince book is your fave, which one is the worst. Mail us any questions, comments, compliments, maybe suggestions, you know. Uh, you can also email us corrections. I feel like we joke a lot, like, don't email us corrections, lol. We don't want to hear constructive criticism, lol. I hope, like, people know we're joking. We're messing around. Please criticize us. Tell us more. Tell us how much we suck. What's lightsabersprecious at gmail.com. This week, that's your goal. Email us why we suck. Yep. Cool. Please title all your emails, this is why you suck. This is why you suck. And then explain at least three paragraphs why we are bad also if you have the podcast app on your fancy dancy apple iphone you can rate us on there or you can give us a little heart on the old soundcloud uh lots of ways to let us know you like what we're doing yeah if you don't like what we're doing do nothing that's fine we're not gonna judge we're okay with it but we still like what you're doing yeah thank you for and being we support you. you thank you for being a human in this world of humans nobody does it better nobody does it better men and women So that's all we got, Joanna. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.